0: Uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to go to a, a few different scriptures uh, today. But the first one we'll get to is Luke chapter seven. Uh, Luke chapter seven, and I want to just preach a message entitled "Faith in Action." Uh, faith in action. We, you know, we hear a lot, a lot about faith today, and I know that there are. I think at times we have a number of extremes that we try to shy away from. And yet, faith in, in its very essence, with what it is, is extreme. It can be extreme. It seems extreme. Uh, a lot of times we talk about, and the world will say, well, you as Christians, you believe in blind faith. Uh, and what they sometimes mean by that is you're believing things that you don't know about or you can't understand. And yet, what we read in the Bible is we read a description of the things that are factual about God that we can believe about Him. Yes, we cannot see Him with our physical eyes. I suppose in that sense, you uh, you might say or you might even be able to agree that it is somewhat of a blind faith. But nonetheless. What we do have in Scripture is revealed to us through history, uh, through science, through many different things. We have what's found in the Bible we can trust in, and they are factual. They are actual things uh, in which you can put your trust and put your faith. Um, We A lot of times we believe in things on a daily basis. You believe things that you cannot predict that would be greater blind faith. In fact, uh, Dr. Norman Geisler and a man by the name of Frank Turek have written a, a book called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And their whole premise is the atheist has to, at some point, go back to blind faith in order to believe their whole system and structure of atheism. We as Christians actually have something that can be depended upon. We can believe in and we can hope in. But there is in your daily life, the Bible says, and it it reveals to us, and you don't need to turn there. I'm just going to read a portion of that scripture. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. God requires faith. If you are going to receive anything from God, if you're going to see anything from God, He requires faith on your part. Faith not in something that does not exist, but faith in a God who put it all into motion, who spoke and the worlds were created. In fact, we'll get into Hebrews 11 in just a a little while But even at the very beginning of Hebrews 11, we see the importance of of believing that the universe, the Bible says, was formed at his command, formed at his command. James tells us these things, he says, faith without works is dead. You see, faith, in order for faith to be what it should be, has to take action. You can say, well, I believe in God, but if you live like there is no God, then your faith is pointless. You can say, I believe that God will work in my life, and yet if you do not put into practice some of the things that God has afforded to us in order to grow as a believer, then your faith is pointless. Faith without works is dead. Faith has to be active in order to be called Faith. So the question is, how were people able to have that kind of faith in action? How are we able to have that kind of faith in action? The first thing we find in Luke chapter 7, I'm going to read down through from verse 1 down through to verse 10, but the first thing that we can understand about faith in action is that faith, Understands the authority of God. Listen to this. Faith understands the authority of God. The Bible says this in Luke chapter 1, verses, uh, Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. It says, When Jesus had finished saying all this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word. Listen to this. Say the word In Israel, then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. People often assume that God should do things for them because they are good. This was the crowd's assumption, but this was not the centurion's assumption. In fact, he was the one who sent word to Jesus and said, Jesus, I didn't come out to you personally because I, don't, I didn't even consider myself worthy to come to you. And not only that, he says, I also though believe that you are able to just speak the word from wherever you are and my servant is going to be made well. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, the authority of his presence is so great. The Bible says in verse 3 that they asked Jesus to come and heal his servant throughout the New Testament, throughout the Gospels, I should say. We see Jesus moving into certain situations, into difficulties, into problems that are greater than the individuals actually had at that moment. And Jesus stepped into the situation and changed it by his awesome presence. Let me tell you, when Jesus steps into a life, he can change that life for all of eternity. He can change that person's destiny. He can change their heart. He can change their illness. He can change what they're going through. The presence of Jesus has all authority Don't underestimate the power of the presence of Jesus. This is why we need to pray in our services. We need to pray for the presence of God in in our church. We need to pray for the presence of God in our meetings from the very beginning to the very end that, that His presence not only would be welcomed but that His presence would be manifested and realized in our lives that we would sense the presence of God and know that He is here to minister to whatever our needs were. You see, faith, arose in that centurion's heart that Jesus would come to his aid. He sent word, Jesus, you've got to heal my servant. He believed that Jesus was able to do the very thing that he was asking. Faith does not look at God and say, God, I don't think you can, but I'm going to ask you anyway. That's not faith. Faith says, God, I believe you can. And somebody went as far as to say, faith is believing that God will. That he will do the work. This centurion believed that Jesus was able to heal his servant as he sent word, Lord, to make my servant well again. If change is going to come, to our lives, we have to believe, brothers and sisters, that His presence will be the sole reason for the change. I know a lot of times we like to give the world credit and we like to give credit around to people who have come alongside of us. You know, there, there are times where God has used people in my life that have revolutionized my, my, my trajectory and how I've been going and some of the things that I've been going through. And every step of the way, I often look at those individuals and I say, thank God for that person, thank God for that person. But the bottom line is, really, when it all comes down to it, we need to thank God that God spoke to their heart, that God said something to them and said, intervene, get into this situation. They don't know why. They don't know what took place they might know now after the fact, but at that moment, they don't understand what's going on, but the Spirit of God, the presence of God knows, and He will intervene in that situation. And it has nothing to do with whether or not we're deserving, because none of us are. There isn't anybody in this place who is deserving of Jesus to do certain things for them. You see, the Bible says here that there are, and obviously they were Jews, because he, uh, they said, Jesus, come! you've got to come and heal the servant of this centurion. A centurion, remember, was not Jewish. He was Roman. He was, not, he was a Gentile. But he believed that Jesus had the power to do it. But then the message came through. It appears as though individuals who were Jews, because they used these words, they said, Jesus, he loves our nation, our nation, not his nation, our nation, he loves our nation, and He has built our synagogue. He is, he is somebody who cares about us. Jesus didn't go with them because of that. He went because of the faith of this person, this centurion, this Gentile. He went because of this faith that was that was born in the heart of this man that believed that Jesus could do anything and that he was able to bring healing. So often, Jesus would break into situations and come into moments where nobody had the faith for anything. Remember the story of the woman who had just lost her son. Literally, they're in the middle of a funeral procession, they're walking through the streets. Carrying the dead body, getting, preparing it for burial, bringing it more than likely to a tomb or some burial place. And Jesus interrupts a funeral. And he reaches out and he does something that would have made him ceremonially unclean. He reached out and touched that dead body. And he says, young man, get up. And the young man rose to his feet. In the middle of all of that, nobody was expecting him to do it, but Jesus did it. But there were other times where Jesus was expected to do certain things and he acted upon that faith. It was the faith of this centurion that brought about Jesus moving toward his home to bring his presence into the situation. You know what, brothers and sisters, we have to believe that the presence of God can not only revolutionize our services and our lives as individuals, but He can revolutionize our homes. He can change our, our, our situations. Whatever we might be going through, that is the, it is the presence of God that is going to make all the difference. We have to cry out and say, Jesus, come and step into my situation. Not because I'm good enough, because I'm not. There isn't anything that I can do to impress you, but God step in and Lord I'm going to believe by faith now also notice the authority of his word verses 6 through 8 indicate that the Bible says this let me just read these verses again very quickly he was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him Lord don't trouble yourself for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof that is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but I say, but say the word and my servant will be healed. I stop reading right there. Say the word and my servant will be healed. I want you to understand the authority of the word of God. The authority of not only the written word, but when God speaks to you, that is authority in your life that God is using to bring about change in your heart. Listen, I believe with all my heart that the word of God red will feed us, and it will help us to grow, and it will give us what we need. But you know, there are times where the Word of God is illuminated in our lives as we pray, as we seek God with all of our hearts, and it brings authority in our lives. It brings what we need to be able to help us in the middle of our situation. The centurion understood the weight of the authoritative Word of God. He knew that as a mere man of authority himself that his word could be trusted and carried out by those who were under him. It's almost as if there was a progression in his faith to see that Jesus had the power to speak from wherever he was To bring healing to the servant and it will be done. In fact, that's what we're going to do today. At the end of this service, we're going to pray that the power and the authority of the Word of God will go to New York City and help in the midst of this situation. We believe that though somebody is not here, we can pray and say, God, speak your Word to their lives and bring about a change. Brothers and sisters, let faith arise in your heart once again. Again, that God is able to do what His Word says. You have to stand on the Word of God. The Bible says, heaven and earth will pass away, but He says, my Word will never pass away. That is the power and the authority of the Word of God. It takes faith to believe that whatever God says or has said is going to be carried out and accomplished. If we're to receive anything from the Lord, we have to understand the power of His Word. When faith is mixed with the Word of God, then great things can take place. We see the opposite of that in Hebrews chapter 4, and we're not going to turn there. But in Hebrews chapter 4, the writer says that those who who fell in the desert, those who didn't trust in God, he said that the word of God was preached to them just as it was to you, but it was of no benefit to them. It was of no help to them because they did not mix it with faith. When we read the word of God, we have to believe it. You say, sometimes I don't understand it. Keep reading. Keep keep reading. Don't, don't get discouraged or frustrated. Keep reading because then the word of God will become real and God will help you to understand it the same way he helped his disciples but trust in the word of God that God is able to do what he has said now turn over to Hebrews chapter 11 faith is undeterred by resistance faith is undeterred by resistance now listen to this The Bible says this, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. And it says this, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Did you hear that? When God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. You say, but wait a minute, I've read in Genesis, and I know in Genesis 22 it tells me that he actually did not get to offer him as a sacrifice. Oh, yeah, he did. Because in Abraham's mind, Isaac was as good as dead. Isaac was going to be offered as a sacrifice. This man believed God, and the Bible says it was counted to him as righteousness. He, in fact, he believed the Bible. Let's go on. Let's just let me read rather than talk. Let me read. He, He who had received the promises, this is what God said the promises, was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Listen to this, verse 19. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. He reasoned that God could raise the dead. Now, he is undeterred by divine, what appears to be divine resistance to the promises of God. God promised it is through Isaac that your offspring are going to be reckoned. It is because he he told Abraham, he said, go out and look at the stars. He said, go look at them at night. Of course, here in the city, we don't see the stars quite so clearly. But you go out into the country and you look up into the stars and you think, oh my goodness, look at how many there are. I remember as a kid looking out at the stars in, at night in, in northern Maine where the night was so crisp and clear and cool and looking up. And I once heard somebody, you can't count the stars. And one night I started to try. And I stopped, you know, right at about 10. Because it's impossible You can't count the stars. God had promised to Abraham, Abraham, it is through your offspring, it is through Isaac, that then your offspring are going to be right. You're going to become a great nation like the stars of the sky, the sands of the sea. If you could count them, the the number of your offspring are going to be greater. And he says, now I want you to go and I want you to offer Isaac. It appeared as though it was divine resistance to what God had actually said. It almost seemed contradictory. And yet, in it all, God was going to work something out. He was testing his heart. There are times in our lives where God allows the testing to come into our lives so that he will see what it is that we are going to believe, that we will know whether it is that we can trust in God. Brothers and sisters, Abraham marched up that mountain. And I got to tell you, it must have been the most difficult climb in, in his life. It must have been the most difficult mountain to ever go up, but as he was going up on that mountain to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice, the Bible says here, and it reveals to us that he even reasoned that God could raise him from the dead. What kind of faith is that? That is extreme faith. And in the midst of it all, we know the story that as Abraham had laid, bound Isaac's hands and laid him on that altar, it seemed incredible what was about to happen. It seemed foreign and not what God should be doing and allowing to take place. God stopped him and said, No, yeah, I've seen your faith. Here is, a, here is a lamb. I want you to offer that ram here on the altar of sacrifice. And today, I see what kind of faith you have. Brothers and sisters, there are times where God allows that resistance to come. And it almost seems like, man, God's got His hand in this. Well, He does to test your faith and to see what you're made of. Brothers and sisters, we've got to trust in God no matter where it comes from. Now... Faith is also undeterred by the resistance from the world. Just stay in Hebrews 11. And let's go down to verses 35 through 39. You see, the world does not necessarily like your faith either. Either, And we are getting to the point in our society, in our culture, where it is that people are even debating whether or not they should allow, get this, allow religious belief. Think about that for a minute. Our country was built on the idea of a freedom of religion. When the, the pilgrims came to this country, it was so they could escape the tyranny of just this is how you have to believe. They came for the freedom of belief. We look around us and in this country, you're free to worship whatever. But that is the freedom that we have and we thank God for that. But listen to what took place during this time. Hebrews 11, chapter, or chapter 11, verse 35 through 39. and The Bible says this, and this is all by faith. Remember, this is Hebrews 11 is a great hall of fame of faith. It is all by faith that these things took place. Women received their loved ones back again from dead or from death. But others trusted God and were tortured, preferring to die rather than to turn from God and be free. See, so you can turn away from God and then you can be free. They said, no, we will serve God only. They placed their hope in the resurrection to a better life. Some were mocked and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in dungeons. Some died by stoning and some were sawed in half. Others were killed with a sword. Some went about in skins of sheep and goats, hungry and oppressed and mistreated. They were too Good for this world. Oh, I love that verse. They were too good for this world. They wandered over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. Of all of these people, we mentioned received God's approval because of their faith. These all had faith in the face of adversity and death. Brothers and sisters, there is a resistance from the world that comes to you as you get to that point where you say, I'm going to turn my back on the world and the world system and their beliefs and their worldview and what it is that they think and how they believe. And when you say, I'm going to follow Jesus with all my heart, I'm going to serve Him with everything that is within me. Trust me, the world will come against you these men and women at the end of Hebrews 11 serve as examples for us that we need to stand our ground and trust in Jesus even when it's unpopular even when people look at you funny and say that's really crazy that's just religiously whacked I can't even believe that you would trust in Jesus as your savior I mean you really believe that stuff now do you really you're really going to go along with that my question is this what's the alternative Determine your own destiny for how long? Think about how crazy it is to think that your life is just a short span and then it's gone. Where are you going to spend eternity? Because you will spend eternity somewhere. They said we're going to serve Jesus no matter what. We're going to go after God no matter what with all of our heart. Even though the world around us says you're crazy, they're going to follow the crazy. The writer of uh, Luke in, in the book of Acts records how the 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 world and the the Pharisees and the Sadducees referred to uh, believers in that early time, and it was uh, this this concept and this idea that they follow a way that seems to be upside down or crazy. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know that the world looks at you as a believer and they think, you know, you're a little bit crazy. But you know, the bottom line here is that Jesus came to give his life for all. He has done so much for us. He has done so much as he died on the cross for our sins. And we need to serve him even at the resistance of the world. And then there is the resistance from the devil. The devil uses the avenue of temptation to bring about a shaking, even destruction. Destruction. Of your faith. He wants to destroy your faith. But what are we to do in the midst of all of that? The devil comes along and he does his best to try to destroy faith. The Bible says, Submit yourselves. James 4 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and you're not gonna run from him. He will flee from you. He'll run from you. You don't ever have to be afraid of the devil. All he can do is lie. All he can do is, is to try to deceive. That's it. That's, he has been, he is, he may go about as a roaring lion, but he is toothless. He, he, all he can do is gum you. He doesn't have any ability to do anything else. He is is powerless in your life as long as you listen to the truth of God. The enemy will come and he will do his best to resist you, but the Bible tells you to resist him standing firm in the faith. You resist him and he will flee from you. Now, there was one final thing that we need to see about faith. And it is this, that faith utilizes all of God's provisions. Faith utilizes what God has provided to you. A lot of times people say, well, I want to see God, you know, come in a bolt of lightning or, you know, come in some kind of thing like that. And yet, that's not how God is going to use you. That's not how God is going to help you grow It is, faith says, God has given me certain things that will help me to be what he wants me to be. Now, let me utilize those tools. Let me trust in what those tools can do in and through my life and for my life. Faith utilizes the provision of two things, prayer and the word. Prayer and the word. It's so basic, it's at times ridiculous, and yet it's true. Jesus said this, you might as well just write down these scriptures because I'm going to go back and forth and they're going to be different places. But Jesus said these words, ask in Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Ask and it will be given to you. There's a man, uh, an old Puritan writer who wrote uh, this incredible work called The Christian in Complete Armor, amongst other things by the name of William Gurnall. I have the three-set volume in my office. But he said this. He once said this. Prayer, it is the very natural breath of faith. Prayer is the very natural breath of faith. In other words, when you don't have faith, oftentimes, most often, you don't pray. It's the last thing you'll do. But prayer, the Bible indicates, and and this brother said it, Jesus said this, ask and it will be given to you. We have to believe the word of God. Listen to Matthew 21 and verse 22. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for. That's essentially what what William Gurnall was saying. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for. Jesus was so absolutely right when he said these words. If you will trust, he will fulfill what it is that you're asking. Believe in him, hope in him, and pray, as Paul says in Philippians 4, 6. Pray about everything, basically. He says this, Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Say, God, I'm going to pray. Pray in everything. Now, the word, over in Psalm 119, you could read the whole psalm. Psalm 119 is about the word of God, the entire psalm. Uses a lot of different words to describe it: your law, your precepts, your statutes, your teachings. There are a number of ways, but it's all about the word of God. But Psalm one nineteen, verse one hundred and five says this: Your word is a lamp for my feet, and a light for my path. Don't ignore the word of God because it's going to give you direction. It's going to light your way in a very darkened world. Luke chapter eleven and verse twenty eight says this, he replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. You see, it's not just enough for us to say, well, I'm going to take time to read the word of God. You can read the word of God and ignore every word. You can read it and then not live it. But he says, blessed are those, rather are those, who hear the word and obey it. Obey what the Word says. This indicates you trust the Word. When you're actually doing what the Word says, it indicates there is faith that is involved in it. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3 and verse 16 says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God, let the word of Christ dwell in you. How are we going to let it dwell in us if we don't take time to read it? How in the world can we ever have it living in us if we don't take the time to get it into us. We have to take advantage of prayer and the Word of God. Now, faith also utilizes God's provisions by taking advantage of the provisions for life and godliness. 2 Peter 1.3 says, God has given us, listen to this, everything for life and godliness. I like that life part because it also lets us know that God cares about some of the very basic things in life that are not spiritual, that are physical, that are material, that concern you as a believer. His eyes are on you, brothers and sisters, to take care of you, to provide for you, to help you, to minister to you, bring healing in your life, healing in your body, to help you with various things, your needs according to whatever they are. God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. And faith utilizes the provisions by following the commands of the word. There are a number of things that we're told to do in the New Testament, but really in the end it boils down to two basic things in our lives. We are told what to do and we are told what to be. Sometimes God tells us what to do But then at other times he tells us what to be. What to be has to do with your Christian character and integrity. And it all takes faith to say, God, I will live for you. I will believe in what your word says. And by following these commands, we show that we're trusting in his provision for us. You see, God loves you enough to take care of you. He loves you enough to watch over you and to provide for you everything that you need. So how does God respond to individuals and churches that will have that kind of faith? He can only do one thing, and it is honor His Word. Honor His Word. He'll honor His Word in your life. I want us to pray together.